Hey, hey, ladies and gents, what's going on? Welcome back, welcome back. You picked another good episode to come back to. This is uh, Faria. I'm excited to give you guys this interview. It, it happened by accident, to be honest. I um, reached out to Sean last week and I said, Sean, would love to catch up with you at some stage. Um, you're planning on being back in Melbourne anytime soon. He goes, hey, believe it or not, I'm in Warrigal this weekend. You want to come down? I said, yep, it's exactly what I want to do. So I drove down to Warrigal yesterday and... Uh, and caught up with Sean at the McEwa Hotel. Um, perfect timing. I was so excited. So Sean was a. He used to coach me straight after, pretty much straight out of high school for about two years. Uh, Sean Sean took the role of of coach um, after Joe Carmody, the great athletics coach in Australia, passed away. Who was coaching me? Um, Sean filled like a crucial role in in my own running career. So it was a, it was really great to catch up with him. He's a good mate of mine and uh, just a, a classic bloke. If you haven't heard of him before, let me throw a few numbers at you. This guy's uh, he, he still holds the Australian 3K steeplechase record. He's run 8.16, but let, let, these next ones are ridiculous. I um, I like saying these ones. You might even appreciate it more. He's a, he's a 27.31 10,000 metre runner. That was the Australian record up until a few years ago when Benny St. Lawrence broke it. He's run 2 hours 10 for a marathon. He's run thirteen seventeen for five k. He's uh, the range. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Like I know, I know you guys would have just. Yeah, I'm sure four of you just threw up in your mouth because that's a, there's some crazy times. Um, you just don't hear athletes with that range very often anymore. Uh, he um perfect timing for the interview to take place. He just broke the Australian fifty plus marathon record at the Melbourne Marathon this year, which is hilarious to him because I told him about me bombing in my marathon last year and uh, he. He's got bragging rights as a 50-year-old bloke. He's he's well and truly beaten my time, um, so I'm going to have to get back at him, which he challenges me to do in this conversation. Uh, <clears throat> I cover a whole heap of stuff, so just, uh, man, it's it's just a great chance to, to access a really elite athlete's brain. So um, I, I had a ball doing this one. If you want to see the video, I tried to stream it on Facebook Live. My page is Relaxed Running, all right, so jump on there and see it, amateur. But it doesn't matter. It was a great... It was a great interview, nonetheless, despite the footage not being great. Anyway, I'll get out anyway. This is me and the Aussie champ, new Aussie record holder over the marathon, Sean Crichton. Just like, do you listen to Apple Podcasts? Yeah. So no, it's, no, it's no. usually just an audio. I, I, I should listen to podcasts, but I don't. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, I, lo- I love the work that the Inside Running guys do. But oh, I'm real. But I don't listen to it. They give, they give you a good plug as well, actually. Oh, I've, I've, had a, I've had a listen to them. Actually, as I was organising this podcast, I was, I was like, oh, I'll just I'll see what's out there. Yeah. And um, I've just, like, over the over the course of just doing a little bit of research, become a little bit addicted to the Inside Running podcast yeah, myself. I, I keep meaning to, but I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a I never run with headphones, and oh, don't you? And I live, I live close to work, so I don't have a long commute. So that's uh, <laughs> that rules out a lot of. I suppose you could you could probably sit at work and put a put your headphones in and have a listen, but that's distracting. Too, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, sh- I'll, I should get into podcasts, but I'm, I'm not a podcast guy. I messaged Brady Threffle the other day actually because I used to I used to race him. Um, Did you back in the day when you were coaching me? Yeah. Like, uh, we, we raced a lot. We were sort of always shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And um, I said, mate, um, I love your show. Come on, mine. Yeah. He goes, mate, I've got a jockey voice, and uh, he goes, I'm better at hosting a show than I am at offering anything to your listeners. So I'm trying to – I message him back to say, mate, there's nothing wrong with the jockey voice. Jump on board. So I'm yeah. still trying to win him over. That's funny. Anyway, um, funny. we'll get into it, eh? Yeah, it's, um, well, it's already recording so everyone can oh, see yeah. the behind-the-scenes for <laughs> <Very good. laughs> What are you doing in Warrigal? 
Uh, oh, so um, down to um, so 15 months ago, Kathy Watt contacted me and said, "Oh, um, my, my dad, who was a marathon runner, we do the Jeff Watt Memorial Fun Run every year. Can you um, interested in coming down and um, having a run and starting the gun, firing the gun, or pre- presenting the trophies or whatever?" I said, "Oh, actually, I'll be overseas." Um, October, so um, maybe next year. So anyway, so Kathy, what she was the cyclist, yeah, Olympic, was she? Olympic champion in nineteen ninety. So Kathy started out as a as a runner, got injured, and went to cycling to cross train to get fit and won the Olympic gold medal. So is that yeah? She's and, an Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist in the road race in Barcelona in ninety two. And I think I, I'll have to ask Kathy, but I think it's fair to say she won the one reason she won the gold. She was or one reason was she was just bloody tough and went from the front early. Yeah, but. It's, cycling is different to running. I'm not a I'm not a cyclist, so forgive me for those cyclists <laughs> out there who uh, forgive me. But I think it, as we saw in the in the marathon in Doha, there was a, a guy at 15k had a minute lead on the rest of the field, and by 21k he'd um, be, been caught pretty quickly. Um, oh. But often there often a um, if you're leading by a long way in a running race, you can stay out there. Whereas often in the cycling races, the peloton will just get going and choke um, May down pretty quickly. But I don't. I think because Kathy had come from a, a running background, she wasn't known to the top cyclists. So when she went out to a big lead, no one really paid a lot of attention until they realised, shit, we're not going to catch her. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so, yeah, so, so Kathy's, um, Kathy's father, um, Kathy's organising the Jeff Watt Memorial Fun Run, so... Um, uh, making good on a commitment I made 15 months ago. Here that, we are. Yeah. Or, so, how do you do? You know, Kathy through the Olympic yeah, just, scene. Like yeah. you met her on the Olympic teams, and yeah. So, oh, that's unreal. I reckon yeah. she spoke to us in in about year three. At, or maybe I was even younger down in down in Chirogan House. She would have. We had a cyclist coming to school one day. Would have been Kathy. And yeah. Probably what? Yeah, she got the, like the really blonde, or she, she did, did have the really blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. that was her as well. Yeah. Great fit for absolute sporting icon. I mean, not many Olympic gold medalists out there. No, there's not. There's not. It's an interesting. That's the, that's the that's the pinnacle. It doesn't get any better. Yeah, far out. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect timing to to get you on the show as well because uh, mate, it's been a, speaking of medals, a big yeah. one, a big one in the the life of Sean Crichton. Hey, twenty years yeah. after his peak, comes yeah. back out and <laughs> well, so you you've broken the Australian fifty uh, plus fifty plus marathon, marathon record marathon. in a time that. I tell you what, I would certainly take. So tell <laughs> us about your marathon last year, Tyson. Uh, we were just chatting yeah. about it before. I'd like I'd, the <laughs> listeners would love to hear it. <laughs> I've been I've been doing my best to try and uh, to try and not go into detail about this, but I can't I can't deny you the story. Um, it made me feel still coaching me. I tell you what, I would have I would have gone about it a little bit smarter. But I um so I hadn't I, I had stopped running competitively in about. 2014, after Mark Whitstaff got drafted, yeah, I thought oh, if he can do it, surely I could, I could get drafted, yeah, and um, totally just discredited how difficult it was. Anyway, so I just started jogging around a little bit and doing a, a few runs, but never thought anything too serious would happen. Anyway, for whatever reason, I thought I'd run the Melbourne Marathon last year, and um, I probably I committed six months to training for it, and I thought, which is normally enough, <laughs> you'd think you'd think it'd be plenty. I thought going into the race, I thought if I can run around three hours, I'll be I'll be stoked. I don't want to train competitively. I don't want to train super hard. I just want to go out, have a little bit of fun with it, see how we go. Um, I was training with Motram's group. I was training with uh, Motram, and I don't know if you know Sam Newman. Um, a couple of local guys, uh, Riley Shaw. Yeah, no, I've known uh, yeah. Riley since he was a baby. Yeah, yeah great fella, great yeah. fella. And uh, anyway, I started running with these guys, and, and the more I got out there, I thought, far out, I'm actually in pretty good form, which I was over like 3K. Yeah. <laughs> I started chucking in a few longer runs, like 15, 20K. I maxed out with Craig Huffer and uh, did a 30K run. I thought, yeah, I'm, yeah. In, I'm in good form here. That'll be plenty. 
And I went through the first half in hour 19, and I, as I was saying to you before we hit record, I, I was giving my dad the thumbs up, going, mate, this is my comeback race. I'm going to come home. I'm going to negative split and run 235. Yeah. Anyway, 25K, I don't know. I do know what happened. I, I hit the wall. And uh, I tell you what, I've got a new respect for you boys too, because that last 17K was a, was a nasty, <laughs> was a nasty, Stuff. a nasty 17K. But um, my story is a horrendous story in comparison to what you got to share. So, um, I know, yeah, I know uh, you had a you had a little bit of an opportunity, or you, you knew you had the record in sight after your marathon last year. Yeah, so actually, it's it's if we go back to the since we've got a full glass of wine, Tyson, we'll get we'll go the slightly long version. So I, I um I, I stopped when I stopped racing. I didn't ever retire. I was like oh, I always planned to do another race, and then realised, well, I'll I'll wait till I'm my fitness wasn't what it used to be, and I'll wait till I'm fit again. Then I was never fit again, so I just didn't race again. So that that was that that was about two thousand and three, and then by um, by about two thousand and seven, I was working fairly long hours as a lawyer, and um, and just hadn't hadn't really uh, had the desire to keep running much. So I was not running much, drinking too much red wine, <laughs> eating too much chocolate, that sort of thing. So then. The the turning point for me in getting back into it was about nine years ago when my daughter was one and we're going for a Saturday morning run with Stella, my wife, and we're running up a hill. Stella's pushing the jogging pram because my back would go if I didn't. Stella pulled, <laughs> literally pulled away on me going up a hill pushing a baby in a pram. I was like, jeez, and I couldn't keep up. It's like, jeez, is my fitness really blowing out to that extent? Yeah. And it coincided with... Uh, looking in the mirror and seeing two chins. That'll get you. I'm like, uh, I'm obviously sufficiently vain that I don't like looking in the mirror (laughs) at 41 years of age and seeing two chins. So I was like, okay, it's time to to start running again. So I challenged Stella to a race at the Canberra Times Fun Run that year. Mm -hmm. Um, So this would have been... About 2005? No, not 2005, about two. 2000 and about 2010, mm. about 2010. Anyway, uh, flat, I thought Stella will run about 41 minutes, so that means I'm not in 41 minutes shape. <laughs> uh, I ran as hard as I could, mm-hmm. I beat Stella just, I ran 40.08. So I was like, okay. And then it became a, um, a an annual goal just to see what I could, just to stay fit over winter, see what I could do at the following year mm-hmm. at Canberra Times. And Every year, it almost came down in, at a minute a year. And then three years ago, when I ran 33 high at the Canberra Times Fun Run and I was 49, so I thought, well, okay, maybe I should have a crack at, let, let me see what the Australian uh, over 50s marathon record is. I was like, 230.50. It was like, oh, that's tough. It's like, um, okay, well, let me start training for it and I'll, I'll give it a crack. So then, um, so the Canberra Times Fun Run, so it must have been, Maybe that was four years ago. It was three years ago. What was it? Yeah, three, so three years ago. Oh, it was, anyway, two or three years ago. I ran the Canberra Times Fun Run um, five weeks before the Melbourne Marathon, and I ran well enough at the Canberra Times Fun Run. I was like, oh, I wonder what the 10K record is. I had a look at the 10K record was 30 on the track, 32.49. And I was like, who's was that? Uh, Not Mona. No, it wasn't Mona. Mona would have easily done that, but he he, he didn't run one. 
Um, Mona has got the, I think Mona missed the world over 40s record when he ran by about two seconds when he ran 28.33, and I think the world over 40 record was 28.30. So Mona has got the over 40s record. Uh, he's got the over 50s half marathon record at 69, but he didn't do a, a, a 10K. So anyway, I thought 32.49, because I'm more of a track runner than a road runner. Yes. It's like, I reckon that's based off my Canberra times, I reckon I'll get that. And I'm probably more likely to get the 10K than the marathon. So I put off the marathon for another year and went and did a track season and managed to get the, the 3, 5 and 10K records. So that was that was great. Uh, but I still, hadn't, I still hadn't gone for the marathon. But I also thought, well, I think I need the, the, uh, the get, get the leg speed back because 2.30 for a marathon is still 3.32 per mm. K that you've got, to, yeah. you've got to be able to hold. Um so then I ran the Perth Marathon 18 months ago and ran um, and actually won that outright and ran 232.12. Um, and I think if I was pushed that day, I could have run 230, but but obviously didn't. Then I went to Toronto this time last year for the for the World Masters, which incorporated the World Masters Championship, um, and went out. Was in actually as good a shape as I I am now. Uh, went out way too fast and I ran with Jess Trengrove through to about 18k and um, we we were on 226 pace and mm-hmm. Jess ended up running a great 225.59 but I at the magic 25k mark I blew to smithereens yeah. ran 245 so that was just a good reminder that cleaner blow up than mine <laughs> it was a nasty blow up um, so that was that was um, that was a reminder just how final line it is. No matter what the distance, particularly a marathon. I think a ten k, you go out a little bit too fast. You can ease the take the foot off the pedal a bit and come good again. A marathon, once once you've gone across the edge, it's bloody hard to get it back. So I think that was a reminder of that. So then I went to um, then I was thinking, okay, well, pretty, now now I'm a bit more determined to try and run the the two thirty fifty. So I was like, which marathon to do? I was like, oh, I like the I like cold weather. And mm-hmm. flat courses, so I went to Christchurch, yeah. um, and I was in good, really good shape for Christchurch. Felt like I was ready to go. Um, two days before the race, a big storm hit, and we, we day before the race, we broke two umbrellas walking walking outside. So it was I almost didn't start because I was like, oh, it's going to be hard to run in, in these conditions. Yeah, uh, and then got photos like twelve hours before, got photos of the course was knee deep in different water, different parts. So anyway, we, we, we ran, uh, and I ran, I ran what I thought was an excellent race, around 2.30, 23. Um, uh, but there were parts of the course which just literally had water all over it, so we had to, you know, take, take different corners and that sort of thing. Um, so it wasn't clear whether for record purposes that that, that would count. So, yes. I was like, so I didn't lodge the paperwork. I thought I'll just go to Melbourne and, and make sure of it. So... Hence why I was uh, all the more deterred. It actually did me a favour because otherwise yeah. I wouldn't have run Melbourne. If, if the paperwork had, um, had gone through smoothly for Christchurch, I probably uh, would have just rested on those laurels and, and been done with it. But it actually, I was, I was actually then pretty keen to, to get Melbourne right and had a, yeah. had a really good preparation. And as I said to you, just downstairs, for the, um, I knew I was in good shape because the, 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 the 10 weeks leading in, I added it up. Um, the weekend out, and I averaged thirty nine k for my Sunday long run leading in. So for the ten weeks leading up ten, to the marathon, ten, the, uh, and actually thirty nine point four, the actual average. So I was like, for, for someone who's come from a track background, has got good natural speed. Yeah, I thought that's going to hold me in good stead. Um, and 
it was it was quite remarkable that uh, I often struggled in the marathon when I got to 32, 35K. Uh, I had a few bad patches in Melbourne between 24 and 28, but when I got to 32K, uh, I'd never felt that good in a marathon before. I was like, oh, God, this is almost – I almost feel like as good as you do in a 10K road race. Not yeah. quite that good, but, yeah. but when I got to 32K, I was like, there's no way I'm blowing up. I'm, I'm, I'll be finishing off strong. It's just a matter of how strongly. So, um, yeah, bloody hell. That's my, an incredible effort. And my last 2K were my, my, were my fastest too. So I think that all comes from um, – just good aerobic strength, and as you know, the, the marathon's a purely aerobic event. Mm-hmm. And I actually approached Melbourne, took a risk, and went a slightly different path. Um, I did a 50k ultra six weeks out, just to uh, on trails. Yeah, uh, and I decided, okay, I'll do the 50k ultra because I've done six foot track a few times. It's 45k uphill down dale, and it's brutal. But I've learned from that your legs don't get beaten up as much in a trail marathon as they do for a road marathon. And if once you get once you recover, you feel actually physically and mentally more prepared for a marathon because all of a sudden forty two k physically and and mentally mm-hmm. isn't as tough when you've just run a hard forty five k. So I, I thought, okay, well if, if that's worked for me with six foot, I'll do this. Um, I'll do a fifty k six weeks out. Uh, I won't run it flat out, so I recover recover quickly. But that should set me up well physically and mentally, which it did. Yeah. So you so you said you you had that ten week block of your long runs at thirty nine k's. Um, how did like if you just walked us through your training week, an average training week leading up to the marathon? What kind of was it? Pretty similar to what it, you were doing back when you were it was almost running a, your two tens. Yep. It was almost it was almost identical, just with no second run. So mm-hmm. I was running. I was probably averaging one twenty k a week. Um, whereas back when I was running two ten, I was well, I wasn't average. You could never, I'd never averaged 200 because there'd always be a week where you'd be sick or injured and mm-hmm. that'd blow your average. But um, if, if if I didn't have a niggle or I wasn't sick, I'd be, I'd be trying to do 200 each week for, for marathon training. So, but that was that a lot of that was a nine k second run for mm-hmm. seven days a week. So there's there's an extra um, 50 immediately. So it was 60 immediately. So you're um, um, so really, I was probably not much different to the old. Program which which is Monday and Friday a very very easy hour. Yeah. Um, Wednesday a uh, a lot a medium long run. So for me it's been twenty um, k's um, in this build up for Melbourne. In back in the old days it was probably twenty six twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday uh, been as I said smacking out a an extra long long run and then were you running that with a group? Were you doing yeah. a lot of solo stuff? Uh, so. No, um, my mate Daniel Green, I don't know if you know. Yeah, you know, I do. I reckon. Did he used to look after the Run for Your Life magazine? Yeah, he was the founder of it. That's so right. More yeah, than looking after it. Yeah. yeah, tell you what, I knew the yeah. name for sure. So, so yeah, so so he and I, um, he's the um, he's the performance director for Dimension Data Cycling Team. So he spends mm-hmm. four months each year overseas. So, but if he's in town, we do our long run together every day, uh, every every Sunday. Uh, and I coach Emily Brickacek, and she. Oh, does, do you? I didn't yeah, realize that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Em does two hours of the. So my. my t- if I go for a 40k Sunday run, that normally takes me about three hours 40. So, Em will do two hours of that. So, sometimes I'll do half hour first, do two hours with Em, and then and then um, do another hour. How's she moving along? Em's going well. She's got Bernie tomorrow morning. So, she's oh, uh, be she's the defending champion. So, she'll be she's she's in good shape. She won the national cross country this year. So, she's uh, 
which is a good chance to defend a title, go back to back. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah. Who else is who else is running Bernie? Because I know uh, Jen he, or Jen Gregson. Yep, uh, and then um, uh, Nat Rule. Uh, I haven't actually seen the full list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if um. Because I think I was watching the I was watching a couple of the Aussie boys run around in Kipchoge's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sub two sub two uh, race the other day or sub two run and uh, I saw I saw Stewie and Paddy Tiernan and who was it Jackie oh Jack Rayner right. was there yeah. as well and yeah. I thought okay so surely those boys are still still rocking over I'd assume they're overseas but yeah yeah Stewie I'll get Stewie on here in the next couple of weeks I keep handing him because I um so when I when I first oh, met Ballarat. Him, yes so okay so Eureka this is pretty much this all started with this all started with you because once once Joe uh, Joe Carmby my old coach passed away um, I, I contacted you yeah and uh, I'm not sure I'm trying to remember how I originally got onto you I think I just Pinder, I think it would have been as well yeah. far out actually I haven't seen him for years but. It would have been I yeah, Jules made him last Sunday. So. Did you? Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to get him on and have a chat as well because uh, he's good value as yeah, well, um, and certainly filled with with running knowledge. But yeah, I so I contacted you and you mentioned that you had a couple of athletes, Adam Diddick, and I think were you looking after Dan Matner? Yep. Yeah, so you were yep. looking after those two boys, and uh, you said that they were in Adelaide. I just finished year twelve, and I thought, oh man, like I really want to have a crack at this running. Um, I thought my and my dad lived in in the Adelaide Hills. I thought, yeah. oh, you know what, it could be a little bit of an adventure. So I went over to Adelaide and, and met up with Adam, and as we were running, um, he often spoke of the highlights that he had over in Ballarat. So he yeah. was running with Rod Griffin, another yeah. great fella, Matt Griffin, um, and uh, I thought, you know what, after he Collis, was Adelaide, Collis, at his peak. Yeah. actually, that's what it was, yeah, there was just, there seemed to be so much potential just flooding yeah. out, of, out of Ballarat that um, I decided to get over there and, and have a crack, but it was, uh, where was I going with that? I can't remember what I was saying. Um, that's all right. It was going to be. It was going to be. I tell you, it was going to be a good story for him. Oh, Stewie, Stewie, Stewie. Ah, oh, yes. So yeah, yeah. I, I got to I got to Ballarat, and uh, Stewie's about fourteen. Yeah. And we, I don't know if you know Jack Rayner, uh, not Jack Rayner, Jack Davies. Oh, I know who he is. Jack yeah, Davies yeah. was running around up there as well. And it was, there was a couple of the younger crew, and just to to see Stewie kick on since then, he was. A, I mean, right. he looked he looked Fantastic. good as a junior, but he's. Yeah. I never would have guessed that he'd be rocking the times that he is now. I'm yes. so he is, but it's, uh, yeah, it was a nice little introduction moving to Ballarat. They seem to they seem to breed great, them strong there. Great town. Yeah, you, uh, you, you joined the wrong club though. You should have been Ballarat YCW. Yeah, I should have been. In yeah. all fairness, looking at the looking I at just the pl- names, pl- pulled up a, a fabulous photo from the 1987 <laughs> Sandown Relay winning team, and I mean, if if you go back and look fast forward. 20, 30 years. Uh, so our team of six had Mona, who came fourth in the World Champs Marathon. He was a good athlete, wasn't he? <laughs> Mona, Mona could run. Wayne Dyer, who'd come, who'd won the National Steeplechase two years earlier, and he was an 8.35 steeplechaser. Uh, John Walsh, who was the National Junior Steeplechase champion two years earlier. Hector Baggio from the Philippines, who Olympic semi-finalist and ran about 8.32 for a steeple. Dennis Boyle, who was a, a, a sub-14 5K runner and came third in the Vic Champs Jeez. that year. And I was the uh, I was the rookie on the team, so <laughs> up and comer and, pl- and, and probably snuck in as the sixth team member. Well, how um, old were you in 87? 20. Yeah. Uh, and that was a hell of a team. Jeez. Um, particularly when you look back at run it with – um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, but just a, but a terrific bunch of guys. We, we used to have a great time training together. And, and, and But point, point at hand, it was hard to make the A-grade team for 
for Ballarat YCW. Mm-hmm. Fast forward now, and sadly, they even have the they have a combined Ballarat team. That's right, Ballarat, which is yeah. sacrilegious. Back in our day, you yeah. had you had our six. Merv and Mal Johnston from from Wendaree, where Merv was a two fifteen marathoner back then. Uh, Eureka had had some some good athletes, but I mean, you, you look at the um, you look at the athletes Ballarat have produced over the last thirty years; it's phenomenal. There's something up in the air. Even uh, yeah, speaking of the Inside Running podcast, I love. I don't don't know him well, but Julian Spence or Moose, as yeah, I, I to know him. I've never met Moose, but he's he's, do, he's doing he's done a great job with his own. Running and he's doing a great job coaching Ellie and and other people. So he's obviously a uh, a cluey guy when it comes to yeah, running. I like yeah. he's just a he seems like a really logical bloke. Like when yeah. you hear him speak, um, I love I love the fact that he just he speaks so openly when he disagrees with like Brad Croker or, or yeah. Brady on that show. It's so funny. And then he always I, I go, oh, "Where's Croaks he?" Is a fa- Croaks is a fabulous guy. Is, is he a Canberra boy? He's Canberra. Yeah. Oh, he's, uh, he's South Coast, New South Wales originally, but he's. he's um, been in Canberra for a long time, but Croaks and I have the standing joke. Croaks, oh, I need to need to slow down my long run. <laughs> need, to come, need to come for a run with you one day. So Croaks, if, if Croaks ever comes for a run with me, he, he doesn't slow down. Is that right? So you're just being dragged along? I, I don't get dragged along with Croaks. <laughs> you just let him go. He's too fast. <laughs> he's, it sounds like he's had the best retirement from any athlete that I've ever heard yeah, of. It's just uh, I listen to I listen to the boys on Inside Running every week, just uh, giving him a hard time about mate. Like, come on, you're going to have to line up for a race because yeah. these numbers that you're crunching are. are Incredible! Oh, no. <laughs> Christ, he's a funny man. So, who else? Who else are you looking after in the in the coaching sense? Oh, just just still... Emily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I've had. I, I absolutely love coaching, and I'd love to do more coaching. But it's uh, and I've had a few people over the years say, "Would you be prepared to coach me?" And I've always said, "Well, I'm happy to write your program." Yeah. But I haven't. As I'm a partner in a law firm, I just uh, by the time you I do my own running and go to work and spend time with family. Uh, I just don't have time to attend sessions. Um, but then when Emily approached me, it was it was different because I just set myself the target of running the Australian over 50s 5 and 10K records, and they were um, 15, 50, and, and 32, 50. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, Emily's looking to run. I was thinking I was aiming to run 15 and a half and you know, low, low 32s. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, I'll just send Emily's program and – uh, I'll just do sessions that she does, and that'll help us both. So that's in fact what I do. We so Emily and I do th- Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. We do the sessions together. If I'm training for a marathon, there'll be days that I might do a long tempo, and she doesn't. But I try and pick it that for a day, a weekend that she's away, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, we do the same sessions. Yeah. Gee. Okay. I'm trying to remember because when I when I touch base with you, I remember I, I got plenty of your time back in the day, and I probably <laughs> probably a bit more than what you bargained for. I always so, felt bad when I was calling you. Go, oh, no, sorry, no, no, like, yeah. I, I love talking about running, and I and I love coaching, uh, and I, I intend doing more again. Uh, but I think it'd probably be more when I ease back my own running. Uh, yeah. Because you've you've well, as I say, I'm, I'm always happy to to chat about running and, and write someone a program. But if someone needs me to come to the track with them a couple of times a week yeah. um, or, or for the session. I just don't have the time to do it. Yeah. Do you still, do you still chat with Adam a bit? Because I reckon yeah, I, I, I uh, he, we used to have the best time. Um, I can't remember what he used to call you, like the, the chief or something. It was a it was a really fun name, and we would always we would always get excited to have the conversations. I know he used to love calling you to touch base about the sessions that we were doing, and it was a perfect time because I was nineteen when I first yeah. got in contact with you, and then went and he sort of played mentor role for about for about twelve. Far out still, I still claim him as that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I reckon uh, like a lot of what 
we were doing as a group then set the foundations for what he's doing now, which yep. is far out undeniably one of the, the best groups in Australia. He's got a he's got a bloody wise head on his shoulders when it comes to yes. when it comes to the running set. You just have job. to look at the athletes that he's produced with Jess and exactly. um, Riley and far out. Even yeah, job. I caught up with Adam when he was in Canberra uh, probably about three weeks ago. We went for a, a, a ninety minute run. Um, but I say, I've, I've sometimes said, used Adam as, a, as an example. It's the, um, Adam, if you're listening, I'm comparing you to Arthur, the great Arthur Lydia. <laughs> but, and, but, and also think about um, my dad and my uncle. We, we, I grew up in a town of, of 6,000, and my dad and uncle were both um, fanatical and uh, rugby league coaches and did a terrific job with the, with the coaching. When I was 10 years old, the Northwest New South Wales um, team of 13 had five from our school with a, with a small town. Uh, the, the year that the, the team that my uncle coached, he had half a dozen of his team. So almost half the team made up, for the whole region, made up from one small town. But my point being, you look at Lydia, Lydia came along as a guy who was enthusiastic about his running, mm-hmm. passionate about his running. Uh, and completely believed in the program he was subscribing to or prescribing. Now, it was revolutionary, 200 miles a week for everyone, including 800-metre runners, which people, a lot of people probably poo-pooed. But mm-hmm. he had faith in it. His, co- his, his athletes had faith in it. You fast forward to the 1960 Olympic Games, the, the Arthur Lydia coached athletes. Peter Snell won the 800 metres. Johnny Davies, third in the 1500 Murray Halberg wins the 5K and, oh, God, I've got a bloody mental break, blank came third in the marathon, um, Bruce, uh, Bruce Bailey. Um, so four different athletes from the same squad get Olympic medals at, 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 at four mm. different events from 800 to marathon. But my point with that being, if, if, if Adam wasn't in Adelaide and, and passionate and organised, you wouldn't... Chess wouldn't have got where she got to, and yeah. a whole bunch of people wouldn't have got what they, where they got to. If, if you get, if you get a passionate person who, who any sport, mm-hmm. plonk them anywhere, and they get a group together, you'll get results. Yeah, and that's what we need. Doesn't matter what the sport is, or it does, doesn't matter what walk of life it is. Yeah, you get someone who's, and I know that's what you, you talk about a lot, um, Tyson, intention and passion. You get someone with passion and intention. You put them anywhere, they're going to make a difference. Yeah. But, but it's it's particularly so with distance running because distance running, one of the great things is you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a really good point. One of the things I love about his group as well is just the fact that it is it can be such a lonely sport at times. It can. Um, like especially when you're going through a difficult period of you know maybe poor form or sickness or whatever yeah. it is that you're dealing with. Um, but just that real team approach, team tempo, yeah, uh, right. is is something that I've I've really learned and admired because you look at the you look at the Kenyan athletes. Um, just throughout the years, and you look at the group of, of the size of the groups that they're, they're running with. They're phenomenal. Um, it, it's phenomenal, and it just the, that it's almost like a footy team in the sense that that camaraderie, that's right. um, that friendship, and everything. And even when it was just me, Dan, and Adam, it was, I always look forward to going to training just for you know, like, and the accountability factor. Yeah, that's just right. Just the, the fact that if you weren't there, you were being asked questions, and you know, you always kept on your toes. But as you say, um, it, it is a sport that allows you to take out what you put in. But um, I always enjoy. I, I do a little bit of running coaching with with. Some local footy clubs, and actually, uh, Trelawan Footy Club. I'm, yeah, I'm jumping on board with this year. Um, but but one of the things I love about working with the footy clubs is just the fact that um, 
like that team aspect of it is is really built into it. Yeah, no, um, right. and it was the first time I'd ever really considered running as a, despite being in it for ten years yeah. or fifteen years. It was it was the first time I'd ever been like, oh my gosh, like there's actually benefits to having these guys around me to, to cheer me on and, and vice versa. It's an interesting world we live in too with social media, Tyson. Because back in the old days, we had our training group. You never knew what guys. Or you'd sometimes hear rumours what. What, um, what people in other groups are doing. Dave Evans used to go to Melbourne and come back and say, "Oh, Dave Paulin's flying," and he probably was every every time. But that, that was that, that was about the extent of it. These days, and it's a double edged sword. If you're on Strava, which I am, mm-hmm. you can see what everyone who's on Strava is doing. The downside of that is you sometimes think, "Oh, geez, someone's doing a this phenomenal session. I need to." do a comparable session. Lucky I'm old enough that I don't, I don't, I don't fall for that one. Um, but you can see, see how you're good. But one of the things, going back to Melbourne last weekend, which was, which was fabulous, I've built up a community of, of, of friends through Strava who um, I don't really know them that well. I've, I've met them a couple of times, but we follow each other and encourage each other on Strava. Mm-hmm. So, so leading into Melbourne, um, we got a, a group of us. I knew we had a group of about 10 who were all trying to, to run 229, 230 uh, for, for the marathon and, and genuinely were because we, we, had that, um, we had the chats going on Strava and you could see what training they were doing and you could all see that they were, okay, well, they, they were all ready to go. So, so these are just people that you've met through Strava? Just met through Strava. Met them at a race and then you, if, if it wasn't for, you know, 20 years ago, you'd meet them at a race and you wouldn't see them again for 12 months and mm-hmm. you, you would, you'd lose that momentum. But by virtue of Strava, you can keep in contact and you can encourage each other and, and, and then come race day, you, you, you actually, you're invested in your own goal. But it was, it was great to be in that pack and, and knowing that a lot of the guys who you're friends with on Strava, they're in the pack with you. So you, you're actually working together. Yeah. Uh, because that's the thing with a marathon. It's, it's, unless you're fighting it out for the win, you're really working together to try and achieve your own goal but help everyone achieve their goals. Yeah, it was Which, a bloody hot weekend for the marathon as well, wasn't it? Not just in Melbourne. <laughs> did, you, um, did, you, did you have a little sneak peek at Kip Chogo's run? Watched the full two hours. Did you? I did, yeah, I loved it. It was Well, I, when I say I loved it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to when they have a, have a crack at it um, under IWF race conditions. But, yeah, it's, it's broken because it was, you know, it's... It was different. It was, and it wasn't as exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm someone who can sit through the whole two hours of a marathon and, and watch and, and love watching the moves unfold. Yeah, I enjoyed watching the two hours and the, and, and just the the, the, the breakthrough to, to do it. But I would have enjoyed a lot more if it was a race and he had to break away from Bikili or so, yeah, yeah, in, in order to do it. So, and I'm not trying to detract from the performance. But, oh no, no, I know exactly what you're it, saying. It was an incredible performance, but um, I, I would have. Yeah, I'm looking forward to when they now have a, a now that they know it, it physically can be done. Yes, I, I'm looking forward to the next. I mean, it might might take it might be next year, it might be five years time, but I'm looking forward to the next few races when they do have a crack. So I actually think the the pace is coming in and out, and, and not having to race against someone, and and and, and all those different variables, they've got to be worth a minute. Mm-hmm. So he's now, you know, he's now 20 seconds under. So that means he's probably got to find 40 seconds. 
Yeah, anyway, yeah, that's I'm, a good point. I might be wrong, but that, that that's that's my theory. And you think if if Bikili has a good day, I mean, like he's he's finally you say yeah. um, nailed a really good marathon. What well, he was two seconds off Kipchoge's uh, world record just just recently. It'd be it would be great, even just for the um, the visual aspect of the for, uh, sport, as you say, to to watch it as a race exactly. to see these two guys going head to head. You'd have to think for a bloke like Bikili to to have run so close to Kipchoge's time. And then seeing Kipchoge go out and run two that before his career is done, he'd want to have a crack himself. It's back, and I know it's way, way, way. It's before my time, Ty, so it'd be a long, long time before your time. But the, the four-minute mile, of course, when when Bannister broke the record and, and, and the great John Landy, Australia's John Landy, broke the um, broke that record and ran 3.57 soon thereafter, they then met at the um, the Empire Games slash Commonwealth Games. That was the, for the first time as history's only two sub four minute miles. It was called the, the mile of the century. Yeah, and that's the that's the classic race where um, Landy took it out and uh, and had a good lead with three hundred to go and with with about one twenty one eighty whatever it was to go. Uh, looked over his shoulder to see looked over his left shoulder to see how far back Bannister was. At the split second, the Bannister came past him uh, on the right hand side and, and and ran um, around a four minutes. Uh, at the championship, but I mean that's the sort of thing that gets people excited, yeah, and, and, and loving the the sport. I mean, people people are excited and loving watching uh, a one fifty nine where it's paced. But could you imagine the excitement when people start looking at two guys like Kipchoge and Bikili going head to head in a race trying to break two hours? I think it would be phenomenal. Oh, it'd be incredible. I know it'd be incredible as well because last night I was at a Bucks. And I was at a box with people who are definitely not runners or yes. interested in running. And somehow the, the conversation came up about this two-hour marathon. And uh, it was it was fun to sit and back and hear these yeah. non-runners I, have a chat about, um, you I, know, the fate that was, that was a godly. Yeah, I've, I've had lots of people have that, have that discussion too. What I've said to people too is it, it's, it's, it's about 250 per K. Mm-hmm. People don't realise how fast 250 for a K mm-hmm. is. I, I, I've said to people... I actually, I'm not sure if I could do a 250k or not. I don't think I could. I'd be right now, right now. Yeah, and I've just run 229 for the marathon. So um, average 330s for 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 42 of them back to back. Um, so could I run 250? Maybe. Yeah, but I couldn't do two of them back to back, and I absolutely. So if you do three of them back to back, eight thirty, I'd, I'd I'd have have a guess. I reckon there's only 100 people in Australia could run eight thirty for probably not even that many. Probably fifty or sixty who could run eight thirty for three k. Yeah, yeah. Eight thirty for three k yeah. is good running. Well, as, as a school, uh, that's a very, very, very good schoolboy time. Oh, a hundred percent. You look at the and you look at the quality of the athletes that they recruit. What I saw, just to name a few, there was like Centrics, Olympic gold medalist, Shui <laughs> exactly. Swain, thirteen oh four, bloody Jack Brown, Lager. Paddy Tiernan, Lager, um, all the Inga Britsons. <laughs> it was, and to see, um, just to see the quality of athlete that was surrounding this bloke, just at that. For me, like as an athlete, that's what put it in perspective. Because to run any of the times that any of the paces had run, yeah. I would have retired a happy athlete. But like, fortunately for you, you have run the times that some of these boys have run yeah. faster, just quietly, <laughs> than a lot of them. Um, but it, it blew my mind that it needed so many athletes on a on a sort of a cyclical, uh, yeah. you know, pacemaking setup to, to get him across the line. Yeah. But I'm just impressed with the um, with that mindset aspect of it. And I know there's a whole heap of talk about. Um, is he clean? Is he dirty? Is it the shoes? Is it what? Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I took out of it that I find so interesting is a little bit that banister effect. That okay, can it be done? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like just put all the discussions aside. Say say he was. I'm not saying he's. Say he was just doped to the eyeballs. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know it was 
a massive physical advantage to him. What's still interesting to me is you've still got to somehow get your head around the fact that you're going to be the first person in human history to get a. That's not that I'm endorsing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know what I'm sort of trying to right. say? Yeah. And I, I, I've had a few people say to me, oh, do you reckon he's clean? I, 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 my big thing why I think he is, twofold. Mm-hmm. One is, and it's the same reason I think and I hope Bolt is. Yes. Look at Bolt. They talk about the once in generation and the... There's a, there's a lot of bloody good athletes who don't fall in this category, mm-hmm. either, by the way, who I think are dirty. So yeah. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll leave that alone. Yeah, leave names out. <laughs> but there are those once-in-a-generation athletes, and, 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 and let's look at it. Bolt, age 14, was identified as a phenom, becomes a phenom. Mm-hmm. Paula Radcliffe wins a world junior cross-country and couldn't win a track race because she was such an aerobic animal. Blind Freddie could see she's going to run a good marathon. So, uh, but Kipchoge, he runs he runs a three forty nine mile. He, yeah. he, 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 he beats two of the all time greats, El Garouge and, and Kipchoge, to win the world five k championship. I watched that race today. Yeah. As a boy, he then dedicates himself to the marathon, um, and he's only been beaten once, as far as I'm aware. So this this is a guy who he is. You once in a generation athlete, someone with incredible speed, mm-hmm. who's dedicated himself to really focus specific marathon training. Uh, I think it's real, yeah. uh, but that, that's the first thing. The second thing is um, the, in the, in the in the one degree of separation. You make good mates with a lot of the people you run with. Patrick Sang was who coaches who um, Kipchoge. Patrick Sang I used to run steeplechase with. We were such good mates. We actually shared a house in Europe for one summer. Did you? Just the two of us. So Patrick was absent. Patrick is the nicest, most honourable guy you would ever meet. Mm. And there's not a hope in hell that Patrick would prescribe anything. So, if, if, and I, so I, 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 for that reason, for those two reasons, when you combine them, one alone, you might that isn't enough. But I think. The once in a generation aspect and the fact that Patrick Sands is coach mm. to me is is enough. Yeah, it's a good point. I wish I w- and actually going back to something that Moose said the other day uh, on the Inside Running podcast. He he was speaking about he he was like, oh, mate, I felt depressed looking through my social media because this guy just accomplished this incredible fate, and everyone was going, oh, he's dirty, oh, it's the shoes, it's the you yeah. know, it's everything else apart from how great his performance was, and I think. I, I totally agree, and I want to be that bloke, because I was the guy who backed, I backed Lance Armstrong, yeah, like, exactly. as far as I Lance could go. Lance has spoiled it for a lot of people. Oh, honestly, and I, I, I don't want to fall into this, this cynical mindset of, yeah. like, you know, human performance is just not yeah. possible without these, without, you know, little agents to help us along the way. Yeah. But I think it's almost a natural scepticism that follows a, a number and, of... And I like to think I sit right on a... Who knows what the balance is right. I am very sceptical skeptical about a lot of performances. Mm-hmm. But there's enough phenomenal ones that I Great think are point. real. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. The the what's who knows what really went on with the Nike Oregon project, but they were certainly pushing the boundaries. Whether they whether they went across from black uh, uh, white into black, they were definitely playing in dark grey. Yes. Yeah. If playing in dark grey, gee, it's it's a fine line, isn't it? But anyway, there's um, it's. There's always uh, the, the guy who I think was going back to Ballarat, and uh, the guy who was the in distance running the, the dealt their worst hand. Mono was definitely the 1997 World Marathon champion. Mm. 
Yeah. Abel, Anton and Martin Fizz were almost certainly doped with, with EPO in, in 1997. In fact, I, most of the Spanish marathoners were, and a Spanish marathoner I, I ran against, he even said to me that he, he, was, um, he wasn't in that group, and he thought that his fellow countrymen in that group were, were doping. But anyway, that's, that's a long time ago, but, and I think you have a look at um, the world record progressions at um, um, really kicked on in the mid-90s, and I was running in the mid-90s, and I was probably completely naive to it. The times that they were running in the mid-90s, I don't run it anymore. So I think there was a lot of guys, more people on APA than I realised back then, and that's why you know, it, it, people aren't running 12.40 for 5K anymore. Yeah. They're not, yeah. Running, they're not running 26, under 26.30 anymore. But they are in the marathon. Is that just because you guys who could run 26.30 for the 10K have moved up to the marathon? Because... I think the other reason, and go back to why Kipchoge's um, 201 and 159 legitimate, or, uh, whether they're real, back in the old days, people ran the marathon if they didn't have enough speed to run on the track. Now they now they do both. Isn't that a good point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Casing point, 12.49 Kipchoge, 3.49 Kipchoge. Exactly. In, 20 years ago, he would have retired when he couldn't run as well at 5K. Now you just go to the marathon. It's a good point. Um, yeah, start, start, I like start, that perspective. Started with Turgat and, and Geb. It's actually it's actually why I, I tried to make the marathon team in in two thousand and, and, and didn't get the time, so I went back to the track. But my whole reasoning was I'm a twenty seven thirty one ten k guy. I'm not going to get a medal in the marathon in the in the ten k. Um, the best would probably come with twenty seven thirty one. It'd be seventh or eighth. But if you got twenty seven thirty one speed and you get strong as an ox. There's no 2730 10k runners in the marathon back then. Yeah, that's interesting. So but now saying, there is. Because you've got some good times on the board. Some of the, between, another thing we mentioned in the foyer, between your 816 steeple, um, 1317 yeah. and what, 2731, yeah. the 816 was ranked as the, I don't know I who think, you said did the ranking, but. I, I think I saw that the the points table I use, the IWF use, I think it had my 816 as my. Uh, best, better than my twenty-seven thirty-one, which was a lot better than my two ten. Yeah, how old were you when you when you ran twenty-seven thirty-one? I was twenty-nine. Far out! That's incredible. Yeah. It's, I used to look at I used to look at the fact that Benny St. Lawrence was a big inspiration to me when I yeah. was running because I I knew that he he got back into the sport late, he and did. I was always a late developer. So I was thinking, oh, far out! Maybe I'll just put my cards on the table that I'm a late developer, and mm. all my great times are going to come later in my career. Um, because I think he would have been 31 when he ran like 13. Probably did. 10. Probably was. Yep. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Great career, Benny, and he's still going. Yeah, with run crew. Is yeah. it, but he's still he's still doing some running himself, is he? Oh, he ran 2.14 at Gold Coast, so he's doing... Oh, did he really? Yeah. I'm going to have to... Actually, I haven't been following a lot of the marathon stuff yeah. lately. Like, yours, yours was the big excitement to me because I, I saw the photo on your Facebook of you running across the line. <laughs> and I Because I remember last year when you got so close, so I thought, bloody hell, like I, had, I knew you were... I thought you were still coaching, yeah. but I had no idea that you were running two and a half hours for a marathon. So that was, uh, that was impressive. Hey, well, um, I know you've you got your, your wife and daughter out here, so I won't hold you too much longer, but... Um, I, what I wanted to do was I've just I've, I've put out a thing for listener questions. Anyone who's yeah. interested to to touch base with any of the Fantastic. athletes that I that I wanted to touch uh, that I wanted to touch base with and, and give a few answers to. Um, and and one of the questions that got emailed through to me by Emily on on Instagram was if you could give any advice to a sixteen year old runner or any advice to your sixteen year old self as a runner, 
what would you what would you say? Because I know as a 16-year-old athlete myself, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm running out of time. I, I've got to be fit. I've got to be fast. You look at the Greeks very, of the world. Very simple. Be patient mm-hmm. and, and back yourself. And when um, my good mate Trent Harlow remembers, the first time he came out to Stromlo Forest as a 20-year-old um, to do the Sunday long run and uh, Rob DeCostello was still running then and uh, said to said to Deke, oh, this is Trent. Uh, Trent's just run the DeCostello 3K, great talent, and uh, this is his first run in Stromlo. And Rob said, oh, so uh, you'll be a good runner in 10 years' time. <laughs> so um, when I was 16, uh, I was coming about 10th in the state cross-country championships. So the, the, the realistically thinking I was going to make Olympics or Commonwealth Games teams, it was pie in the sky stuff. It was I, I didn't that didn't really become realistic until I was probably twenty one, um, and sort of made some some real strong improvements. But I I didn't start training hard until I was nineteen. Mm. And, you know, yeah, I think that's probably and, and by twenty two I was in the Commonwealth Games team. So I I think keeping on do training. But don't don't train too too intensely or too much volume until you get more like 18, 19, 20 because um, you, know, you want to be running your best in your mid twenties mm-hmm. um, rather than I mean, nothing wrong with running great when you're sixteen or seventeen, but it's it's harder to keep that momentum then um, through into your adult career. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice. That's really good. I, I agree with that. Not that it matters based on the fact that you've run. <laughs> so much faster than me over every distance. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you before you go is just a, a little added value question for anyone out there. I know you said you don't listen to podcasts or you don't yeah. um, necessarily like anything in your ears as you're running, but is there anything that you'd recommend to athletes out there as a as a tool or a resource or something that you just enjoy that's been a massive advantage to you as an athlete over the years? Uh, not really, no. no. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy Strava, but more just as a as a training diary. I, yeah, sure. I, I've got probably 15 years of handwritten training diaries um, back from from when I was 18 through until I was early 30s. Uh, but, and I would sometimes, um, say I was training for, doesn't matter what event it was, I would sometimes go back and revisit some of the sessions I'd done, which which I did in, in build up for another race yeah. to see what see how I was going relative to those sessions. And, and, and I should note that didn't mean I... I mean, I was racing sessions because I, I, I was always making absolute certain that I, I wasn't leaving it out on the track that I was yeah. saving for race day. Yeah. But Strava, it's one click of the button. You can go back and uh, you can say, okay, oh, here's, here's when this race was. So, okay. Oh, so if, if it's a marathon, okay, I did my I did a 10-mile tempo at race pace three weeks out. Okay, what did I run? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, so it's, <laughs> so it's about the same. Yeah. Oh, okay, my, my long run's leading in for my last marathon. Uh this is how they looked. Oh, actually, they're a bit better than the last time. And I was going. So, uh, I think that's a that's a great tool. But just as a as a training diary, as I said, the risk is you you look at some of the sessions people do, and people people do phenomenal sessions. But that doesn't mean you need to be doing them yourself. So I think my my real message is there's no one best way to train. You've got to figure out what works for one person. Just plain old won't work for, for another yeah. person. There's a lot of sessions I see people do if I tried it who are running my pace. Uh, or or um, if I tried it, it'd, it'd break me. Yeah. Um, so you've got to figure, understand your own body and get a coach who, who understands you and 
figure out what works best for you rather than what other people are doing or what great athletes in the past have done. So it's uh, and if you're a young athlete, you have some input into your program. Tell your coach how you're feeling and what you think works for you. Don't be scared to speak up because yeah. it's your career. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess if you're a coach, um, realise that there's, there's and I've got to remember it myself, there's, there's, there's a lot of different ways a lot of different ways to train just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's going to be the best program for someone else. Yeah, it's a bloody good point. I reckon that the only thing I hate about Strava and it's the only thing is whenever I go out for an easy run, I have the Garmin on. I know that everyone's going to be tuning in just to touch base on how my run went today. Yeah. So I, um, it's so funny. As I was training for the marathon, I, um, I, I had a couple of weeks easy and uh, I got back into it. I thought, okay, I've got some time to make up. I'm just going to go 10K easy. Yeah. And at about 8K, I, I thought, fuck it, oh, this isn't easy i feel like i'm and i had in the back of my mind that everyone would be checking in on strava yeah and i was i was going way too fast um how do you, how do you find that you're just probably more disciplined when it comes to okay this is an easy run today don't worry about what i'm probably old enough that i don't care as much so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i should be that's, it's probably a bit too that yeah i think if, if there was if there was one thing that back 20 years ago i was relatively well known for and that was running very easily on my mm. recovery runs were genuine recovery runs yeah so and that's still the case so my my easy runs and my long runs are five minute k pace and sometimes yeah, people say how the bloody hell can you run 330s for 42 of them back to back if your long runs are a minute and a half slower yeah i'm like well i was running closer to three minute k pace 20 years ago and my long runs were 430s so there's not much different yeah, yeah, it's so, an interesting point. It's one thing I was talking to the guys last night about is uh, at the footy clubs, and I see it all the time as well, it's almost like you're, you're patted on the back if you're vomiting after a session exactly. and you're on your hands and knees, but in the running scene it's almost a detriment to you yeah. too often because you're not going to be able to get back up for tomorrow's session. Exactly, and you, you've got phys ed training. Tyson, you remember the basic training 101 is in order to improve, mm. you need to stress your body, you need to recover, and then when you stress your body the same way again, your body should have super compensated, compensated and then super compensated from what you did before, so you'll, you'll be better, and that's, and that's how you improve. But I've said to a lot of times, I think the, the, the ingredient which a lot of people forget, they stress the body and expect to get the super compensation, they're forgetting an important part of the, um, the process is recovery. Mm. If you're not recovering from the stress, you're not getting the super compensation. So that's yeah. the, that, yeah. and, that, and, and to be brutally honest, that's one reason why I run so slow on my easy runs. One, because I, I, I'd be very tired doing it, but you've got to recover. Whatever pace is a recovery run for you, you're, yeah. not, you're not doing it to get fitter. Yeah, one of the most overlooked things in, in distance running, isn't it? Just yeah. that the easy days have their benefit, the rest days are actually of right. value to your body. And I'm not, someone like, someone like Croaks running at Formula Ks is, they recover from that. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't, I'd break. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. I've still got to, hey, I can see we've got a couple more of questions coming up here. Actually, I didn't even think to look. What are we? Oh, my brother-in-law, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? Mate, I'm going to have to come back. Yeah, no, is this my brother-in-law leaving comments for now? Wait, not that I'm not that I'm great. Ah, oh, Icarus. I was going to mention that to you before. He was just saying that was when we were speaking about doping before. Oh, yeah, Icarus, I watched Icarus. Um, that was, was mind-boggling. We watched a show on SBS about three weeks ago called um, The Program, and... It was, I don't know if you've seen it, nah. absolutely eye-opening, mind-boggling, whatever you want to say. The, um, so you probably know better than me, but I think the the, the hematocrit had to be under 50. I think that was the, the, the right number. But whatever it was, 
Lance was taking so much EPO, his hematocrit was over that. And, and the way he got under the um, the tests, they'd knock on his door in his, in his van and the team manager would answer and say, oh, I was just in the shower. And they'd get the saline drip and squeeze the shit out of it to, um, to with the with hematocrit tester there until it got under under 50, then pull it out and open up the door. I mean, incredible stuff. That Yeah, that is incredible stuff. And it freaks me out just listening to the stories about Ferrari or whatever his yeah. doctor's name was. Who They just seem – I don't understand how it all works, but just the, the fact that the doctors who are on the bad side, uh, they seem to be so much more advanced than the doctors who are on the good side in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, a classic example of what you just said, like the, the fact that you can still dodge these tests you know, if you're doing it well, pretty comfortably is, is, is a little bit scary. Yeah. What was it? The program. It's called the program. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a um, th- there are some people who are involved with track and field who've got a dodgy past mm-hmm. and who are coaching people who are going very well right now. So that's. Uh, well, I think it's good. as a lawyer, I'm always a bit careful too. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I think it's a matter of public record. Mm-hmm. The they didn't succeed, but the Kenyan. Federation, I think, sued Dr. Rosa, who's coaching yeah, okay. Bridget Cosguy. Yeah, or wow. managing Bridget Cosguy. Rosa was managing Kiprop. Now, Kiprop might mm-hmm. protest his innocence, but mm-hmm. in fact, they're serving a ban right now. Yeah. Uh, it's the old, um, if, be careful with the people you're associated with if you don't want to be tarred by that same brush. It's um, So that's, I hope I'm proven wrong, but yeah, I, I think, I think, I like to think Kipchoge's clean for the reasons stated. I'm very su- suspect of Cosguy, though. For if, if Dr. Rose is your um, your manager and he's got that that history, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. Uh, and I'm not saying that that the history definitely makes him guilty, but there's there's enough to create a bit of doubt, particularly in light of when you run such a an, an off the off the charts performance. Minute fast than of a world previous record. Previous world record. Yeah. No, so, yeah. Anyway. anyway, far out. I don't want to think like that. Oh, I know. I know what you mean, but I tell you what, there's some bloody athletes out there that make you sceptical, unfortunately. It detracts from your enjoyment of the sport. You want to enjoy the, you know, in Australia, it's just got some some of the people, Stewie, we talked about, and mm-hmm. Brett Robinson and Jack Rayner and, and Sinead and Ellie in, in, in the marathon. Yeah, that we've just got some athletes who are just going phenomenally well and it's it's so exciting to yeah it's a great point to to watch them go well and 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 you've got to enjoy that but i feel sorry for them too if you're up against people who are are not playing on the playing field back to mono in 97 mono genuinely should have been the world champion in in 1997 Mm -hmm. uh and he was i mean he's still got the the bronze medal and i'm sure he's very proud of that rightly so but it should have been a gold medal yeah yeah it's a good point shawnee that one uh that went probably a little bit longer than I than I was planning, but thanks for, right, for making always, the time. You got your wife great. and daughter out there waiting for you. That's right. It's always great to catch up. It's been, yeah. too, been too long. It has been too long. It has been too long. If you're only thirty two, Tice, I said, said you are in two eleven when I was thirty four. So, um, well, you reckon two years of training in <laughs> two, two years of training, and if you went through in one nineteen through the half, uh, you just got to get two years worth of fitness under your belt and uh, go through in in one nineteen and hold it and. And run two thirty nine. There's a challenge I'm mounting for you, Tice. All right, you know what? I feel like my wife's going to be very angry at you for mounting yeah, that yep. challenge because I feel like I've got a reputation for taking those quite seriously. <laughs> and just in closing, I, the, I think my my longest with your two years until you run your two thirty nine. Yes, I think the long when I was running 
seriously 20, 25 years ago. I think the longest I ever went without a day off was probably three or four months. Mm-hmm. I'm a couple of weeks shy of two years without missing a day, Tice. Is that right? Two years. I'm on a streak. Are you bet you're heading out for a run today? Or I've you're... been this morning. Did you? So, what did you, you clock up this morning? I'm going to go home. Not far. No, so my, um, no, it hasn't loaded. My watch isn't sinking. I'll, I'll have to. The internet's pretty good here, by the way. It's good. Um, the, I should say my minimum is it's got to be 20Ks, 20Ks, 20, 20 minutes or 5K, whichever sure. whichever comes sooner. So which, which is always, I've never done 5Ks under 20 in call of the day. It's always yeah. 20 minutes. So uh, there are plenty of days when uh, I've run 20 oh, oh. Uh, Yes. That's the, uh, and I think, I think this morning might have been 24 minutes. So it wasn't, it wasn't a long one. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now I'm on the roll. Of, it, it, it's actually a good motivator just to keep that consistency going because, as we know, the, the big thing, and back to the, um, the question from, from the 16-year-old uh, listener, is consistency. That's the, that's the thing that gets you there. And I guess that's why I'm a fan of making sure you get your recovery runs in mm. and, and getting, you know, I, I get two massages a week as well to make sure I recover. Yeah, do you? Yeah. So yeah. if you, if you're, you've got to recover properly, you got to get, you, to improve. You've got to be consistent. Yeah, you got to train hard. Yeah, but you've also got to train hard consistently, and it's the it's the training hard not for two weeks or two months. It's the consistency for two or three years. Your your story about you had six good months. Six good months you can get away with running a good three k or five k. Six months for a marathon, you'll get you to twenty five k. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Far out. You're right. All right. Two but, two, years, but two years. The challenge has been set. Two years if you get. Two consistent years, you'll you'll get from, it'll get you from twenty five to to thirty five. Then you just got to grind it out for seven k. Tell you what, it's not going to be good for my biceps and, pre- and my pecs program. It's not, mate. It's not. It's going to be same. unattractive. <laughs> my wife was looking forward to me getting off the marathon program just so she could stop seeing my ribs. <laughs> anyway, sure, I, I'm going to let you go. Thank okay. you so much. Right, that was great. You yeah, you yeah. too. Okay. We'll have to do it again sometime. Sounds good, mate. All right, cheers, Shawnee. Okay, See you guys. Thank you. Thank you.